Hello, welcome. We are here for episode four, is it? Episode four is of it? the Fat Loss Uncomplicated podcast. We are going to be talking about fat loss and kind of more generally fitness myths today. I'm here with the wonderful and amazing Grace. Say hello to everyone, Grace. Hi, everyone. Hope you're good. We're here to bust some shitty diet myths. We are. How's things with you anyway? Good. Um, a few weeks out from a photo shoot. Somebody asked me the other day, are you doing a bodybuilding competition? And I was like, no, never. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it's just a physique shoot for anybody that's kind of wondering. Yeah, I'm a couple of weeks out. We're getting there. Have you ever thought about competing? Do you know, I've had a few coaches over the years and um, I am lucky in that the way I'm built is a traditional, you'll know it, X-frame for yeah. for bodybuilders so big shoulders big back tiny waist big thighs um yeah, yeah and it's traditional x frame so i probably would do okay on the stage but uh it's not really it's not for me and also the thing that would hold me back is i still have loose skin from losing in a shit ton of weight uh, and the judges don't care about your journey it's just <laughs> aesthetics they don't give a shit like they're not you should like get extra points for that shit <laughs> you should somebody actually said I, I remember reading in america because i kind of looked this up a few years ago when i was like oh maybe i should do one to just go oh, i've done it and they were like it was a girl that lost about the same amount of weight as me and she went on stage and she came like last and it's because she had less skin but she looked she literally looked amazing and she's like surely there should be points for going through all that shit and losing 150 pounds that right there that that one singular incident just fucking puts the light on how stupid bodybuilding is like you're marked down as a negative because you've lost 150 pounds to get to that position but someone yep. who's lost 15 gets marked higher what? Yeah, and that, what? remember reading that and going, yeah, that's like you know, I got nothing to prove. Like again, I get in the best shape as I can and feel good, but like if they're gonna mark you down for having gone through that massive journey, nah. I think I could have done a physique competition a while ago, but it's just not something that I I fancy. Oh, it's 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 really not our vibe to be honest like it we we're all about overall health and wellness and you know we both know to get stage ready it's not the necessarily the healthiest the healthiest place to be when you get on stage especially doing it drug free like it becomes yeah. it because i think it even becomes more unhealthy for women to try do it drug free because obviously the drugs are replacing the stuff that you're missing like you can replace the testosterone you can give yourself the thyroid but it's fucking really unhealthy when you're doing it without drugs especially yeah. for women i think um but anyway let's let's jump into it where do you want to start have you got have you got one you want to start on yeah it's the the one i fucking hate the most Ladies, if you lift weights, you're going to end up like Arnie and you're going to get bulky. Well, Dave, what do you say? <laughs> well, I've been trying to get bulky for 10 years and it hasn't <laughs> quite happened. And I've got a lot more testosterone than women. And if it's not happened for me with my amount of testosterone, I can fucking guarantee it's not just going to happen for you. I think there's, um, what's the, it, it's, 
it's like driving your car, but then suddenly expecting to be an F1 driver. <laughs> it's just because you jump in the gym and lift some weights, you're not going to be a bodybuilder. And it's exactly the same as jumping in your car and expecting to be an F1 driver. It's not going to happen, is it? No, it takes a certain level of training and a very certain like diet, nutrition to get there and a long time, a lot of years. And potentially if you want to get really bulky like Arne, then you're going to need to be enhanced. So yeah. ladies, you lift weights, you're not going to end up like Arne. That's myth number one. Yeah. Um, sweeteners are bad for you. And this can jump off in quite a few different directions, I think, because they've got... Sweeteners can cause cancer, sweeteners can spike insulin, and sweeteners can sort of make you fat. Now, I'll touch on the first one. Sweeteners, most recently, there's been something pop out that aspartame has been um, categorized by the World Health Organization as a carcinogenic. So something that causes cancer. And everyone, obviously, on social media went mad about this. All the people that hate sweeteners went mad about this. So let me just debunk this one quickly for you. When when the World Health Organization categorizes carcinogenics, they do it in sort of three categories. They've got category three, category 2B and 2A, and then category one. Now, category three is known as these things don't cause cancer. Category 2B is things that possibly cause cancer. Category 2A is things that probably might be associated with causing cancer. Now, I think aspartame got put in the 2B, so possibly. So everyone obviously went nuts for this, but I'd just like to read out a few things that are also in that group 2B category of possibly causing cancer. Dry cleaning, pickled vegetables, smartphones, gasoline, engine exhaust. And in the 2A category... The 2A category of probably we've got red meat and still hot beverages. <laughs> so if uh, you shit in your pants about having some sweeteners, you also need to be shitting your pants about your morning coffee, about your dry cleaning, about pickled vegetables, about filling up your car in a gas station. There's going to be studies that associate sweeteners with cancer. There's also a hell of a lot of studies proving that this association is probably not something that we need to be worrying about at all. So, and yeah. as well as spiking insulin, it doesn't cause him fat. This one got a lot of stick because people associate like sweetened drinks with people who are fat. There's studies that show that overweight people tend to have a lot of sweetened drinks and then people think, right, well, if overweight people tend to have diets with a lot of sweeteners in them, there must be a link there, but correlation does not equal causation. Just because something associates with something else does not mean that they are directly causing one another. If you are, let's say, massively overweight, one of the first things you will do to try lose weight is probably try switch to a, a sweetened beverage rather than a full fat one. So just because people are overweight and drinking sweetened beverages and then consuming a lot of aspartame does not mean that that caused them to get overweight. It just means that they happen to be overweight and they also consume sweeteners. 
Yeah, and I think it's kind of like I remember years ago when I was young. We're going back a long time now. When I was younger, and they were saying burnt toast would give you cancer. You know, like, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, <laughs> there's plenty of people that would burn toast or that bad a cook, and they're not walking around with cancer. You know, so it's like be be wary of all of the things that you read and you hear. Make sure that you actually have a proper research or listen to an expert on these things. You know, yeah. if you're always having full Coke, switch to a Coke Zero. You know, like you're not going to get cancer from Coke Zero. That's that's just calm. It's just calm down. <laughs> um, protein is bad for your kidneys. Right. <laughs> where to start on this one? Okay. Protein um, is good. where? Where do you want to start? I, I think this one stems from when people have kidney problems and they're getting what would you call it dialysis. When people are getting dialysis with kidney problems, they tend to advise to have a low protein diet with that. Yeah. And I think then people have looked at that and thought, well, that must mean high protein is bad for your kidneys. But no, it's just when you've got existing kidney problems, a high protein diet with that is not something that doctors would recommend. That doesn't mean protein is bad for your kidneys if you've got perfectly healthy kidneys. Yeah, like you can... There's no sort of like top limit with protein. Like it's, you you, you want to eat at least a hundred grams. It's something that we would always say for muscle building, you know? So you want to eat at least a hundred. You can like, there there would be athletes on, you know, two, two grams per pound, you know? So yeah. they'd be like double body weight protein. They're absolutely fine. You know, like if you have an underlying issue uh, with your kidneys then yes obviously just be be mindful of that but protein um there's no such thing as having too much in terms of your kidneys it's not going to be bad for you and most people have too low a protein diet yeah you should be worried about having too little protein not too much yeah definitely exactly. um apple cider vinegar helps with weight loss have you ever tried apple cider vinegar no, it's kind of one of those diet myths that's been around so long. Uh, I think I remember my mum talking about it. Really? Uh, yeah, that's I. That one's been around a long, long time. And now there's like, um, I think one of the girls was a best said apple cider vinegar gummies. Oh really? A yeah, for thing. yeah for like weight loss and you're like. Well, why? I think with all these myths. The ones that stick about tend to have a small element of truth to them. And it might be that for a certain type of individual, this could work or this has a bit of truth to it. But that's why these myths stick about. So hopefully we can explain them in a way that people understand why these myths are still about and why it might be something that does work for someone. But I think apple cider vinegar is is one that's been shown to work for um, people with diabetes or pre-diabetics because it does have a, a sort of an effect that reduces the rate of glucose release from a meal. So I think I think people can take apple cider vinegar after a meal and it will slow the release of glucose. So for people with diabetes, it makes sense. But for normal people who don't have diabetes and if you're not pre-diabetic, again, it's a bit fucking pointless and it's absolutely fucking minging. It's not a nice thing. Like <laughs> if you want to make your life misery, try have apple cider vinegar every morning and watch how much you feel excited about getting up and get out of bed. Like 
<laughs> it's fucking horrible. Um, you're, you're definitely putting me off ever trying it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of like, it, it's like kind of like most, most things, a lot of things in the diet industry, there is that tiny smidgen of truth that has come about from a very small amount number of the population overall and then somebody's gone oh but this will work for all of these other people and it's kind of like you can't see the wood for the trees yeah but instead of all these like little things that you think might might work you know go with the basics that are proven to work that's certainly how we would coach you know we're yeah. not going to be like get these gummies get this get that like we have a very small amount of supplements we would recommend and mostly protein and creatine you know and it's like you don't need to take all that other shit focus on the basics do that really well i definitely want your take because i fucking hate them slim and world well i've got one noted down that the the myth that someone put in our group was the mashed banana um to a normal banana i think this one only takes common sense really doesn't it the fact that you put a banana in your mouth, you mash it with your fucking teeth. Whether you mash it with your teeth or you mash it with a fucking spoon in a bowl, it's the same thing. Like, so <laughs> yeah. If you're swallowing a banana whole, I don't know what industry you're working in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but most people have to chew a banana. So whether you're using your teeth or using a fork, it's still mashed. Still mm. the same calories. It's fucking stupid, isn't it? <laughs> I think it just came from somebody at head office at Slimming World that was bored one day. And was like, we'll just come up with some shit and everybody's going to believe it. It is one of those ones, guys, common sense. Hmm. It's, it, it's definitely a common sense one. Um, What about you can't eat past a certain time of the day? Are you going to put on weight? Um, well, first of all, your body does not know what fucking time of day it is. I always like try tackle this with people and say, what happens if you get on a flight? What happens with the time difference? Does your body know? Does your body understand that it's now seven o'clock in a different time zone and you can't eat food past this time now? And then when you actually make people think about it, they maybe think, yeah, maybe that is fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I think as well, like again, common sense. Like if you eat a massive meal at 10 o'clock at night, it's just going to sit in your gut. You're going to sleep poorly. There's no way for you to kind of like digest that very well. Like you're not moving then, you know, you're going to bed straight after. So in terms of your digestive system, it's just not amazing, but it it's not going to make you put on weight. No, we know that we know the mechanics of weight gain and weight loss. And it's definitely not when you eat your meals. It's how many calories you're consuming over the 24 hours over the week. So when you eat your meals, and I completely agree with what you've said there, but I'm actually the weird sort of person that really enjoys a late night meal. Like for me, carbs before bed make me sleep like a baby. Like I'm one of those people that can eat really late and I sleep really well. So for some people, I would say the majority of people eating a meal probably right before you go to bed, not ideal for digestion. If it works for you though, feel free feel free it's not going to be a huge difference um fasted cardio is better for fat loss (sighs) fasted cardio this one's been around a long time to be fair 
um we don't want you don't want to use cardio for fat loss anyway Car- you know your training is not there for fat loss. Oh, that's a whole episode your training is not there to lose weight you know your nutrition your calorie deficit is where you will see progress in your weight loss sorry fat loss cardio is not there to lose weight it's just there to improve your heart health you know and if you feel better doing some cardio in the morning before you eat fab whether that's walking whether that's jogging cycling great but your cardio is not there for fat loss nor will not eating during cardio improve your weight or fat loss I think a lot of people massively overestimate how many calories they burn when they do 20 minutes of cardio. Like you're really not going to be burning a lot. I think when they look at like athletes, like elite athletes, maybe sort of 10 calories a minute, but for the majority of people, you, you might burn a hundred, 150 calories in that 20 minutes of cardio where you're slogging your ass through it. Like it's not a lot. Cardio does not have a huge effect on on sort of fat loss as a whole. But I think this myth obviously has that element of truth that when you do fasted cardio in a morning, you will utilize more fat for fuel when you are doing that cardio compared to if you were to do some cardio later on in the day after you've had some some food in you. And that's simply just because when you've sort of been fasted throughout the night, there's no insulin in your body, you've got no food to digest. That means when you jump on that food on that treadmill and do some or that stairmaster and do some steady state cardio, you will be using fat, body fat for fuel at that time. But do not get confused with the fact that just because you're using body fat for fuel at that time, it doesn't mean that you are losing body fat overall that day. You could do two hours of fasted cardio and be using body fat for fuel at that time. But still, it doesn't mean that you will lose body fat that day because that depends on your overall calorie energy balance for the day. Um, So yeah, fasted cardio, all that really matters is you do the cardio when you will do it, when you can consistently do it, when you enjoy doing it. And don't get drawn into thinking fasted cardio is any better. Um, protein shakes don't get digested and protein shakes are not a true source of protein. I've seen a lot of shit on TikTok recently or Instagram just slagging off protein shakes. Have you? See, I'm never on TikTok. Ah. Too old, Dave. This is the home of bullshit, really, isn't it? it? So if you ever want to find some some shit to distort your beliefs about nutrition, go on TikTok. (laughs) Again, I think it's going to come down to, can you get most of your protein sources from whole foods? Yes. Let, let's try and get it from your whole foods. Now, whether you're vegetarian, vegan, or you're, you know, you, you eat meat, great. Get it from, from most whole food sources. If you're struggling, if you're finding that tricky, or if you're really tight on time, is it okay to, to rely on something like a protein shake or a clear way? Yes, what there's literally nothing wrong with that. It is a source of protein. It, it it might be processed, but it's still coming from whey. It is a source of protein. Would we always advise to try and eat your proteins? Yes, we're always going to advise that. But at the end of the day, if you need to kind of bump your protein up in a clear way or a protein shake will do that, 
you know, there's literally nothing wrong with that. You're not putting anything abnormal or weird or bad for you in your body. No, no. I think this obviously ticks the box that not all processed things are negative or bad for you because a protein shake is processed, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with a protein shake. And in terms of what goes into it, the amino acid profile of a protein shake is pretty fucking great. And in terms of protein doesn't get digested, I would argue protein shakes get digested a lot quicker and a lot better than a lot of other things because it's it's there to be digested. That was the idea of protein shakes. They were there. So when people right. believe that you needed protein right after your workout, you're much better getting it through a liquid form than eating a chicken breast straight after because it will get into your system quicker. So protein shakes get digested very quickly. They're very digestible. So that that myth is, again, bullshit. Like we say, you're best off trying to get your protein through food because mm -hmm. if you are trying to lose body fat at the same time, food fills you up. A protein shake doesn't for a lot of people. But a protein shake is a massive benefit. It's a massive help for a lot of people that can't hit the protein, especially those vegans and vegetarians. Yeah. Um, where else can we go with this? You can't have chocolate on a diet. <laughs> Fuck me. We're all fucked then, aren't we, really? <laughs> all right, okay. You're not you're not like cheese either. You're not ever allowed to eat out. You know, you're allowed no life. Sit in the house and eat dust for 12 weeks. <laughs> like, you know, again, you know, use use a little bit of common sense here. You have calories to use. The way we coach, you have fat loss calories, you have maintenance calories. If you're out with friends, if you've got a social event and you've got 2,000 calories and that's your maintenance, can you have some chocolates in there? Fuck yes, you can, okay? It's absolutely okay. You can have chocolate every day. We've had clients every day, they're having chocolate, they're losing weight at three, four stone. They work it into their calories. They're just really aware of what their calories are. You know, there's no need to, you know, become a nun for 12 weeks and eat dust and go, right, I'm losing weight. Because you know what's going to happen in that 12 weeks when real life hits? You're going to put it all back on. Mm. So, yes, you can have chocolate. Yeah. I think um, I, I did a post on the inclusion of bread, in a diet because i think bread's another one where people automatically Art. think you shouldn't eat bread when you're on a diet i'm not sure why i think people sometimes feel bloated after having bread and then they make that that link in their head that if i feel bloated after bread it's having some negative effect on me you will lose more weight over a longer period of time with the inclusion of these foods that you actually really enjoy let that sink in because genuinely it's true if you include some of the things that you really enjoy within your diet, you're more likely to stick to that diet for longer periods of time. And overall weight loss is more important than losing a 10 pounds over two to three weeks and then gaining that 10 pounds back and doing that fucking cycle for the rest of the year. That's not what we want. Yeah, it just comes down to adherence. If you keep the foods in that you love to eat, will you be able to sustain a calorie deficit? Yes. If you try and cut all the joy out of your life, <laughs> will you sustain <laughs> that calorie deficit? No, you're going to do that yo-yo diet cycle. So keep the foods in that you love. You're going to be able to lose weight. 
Detox teas and juice cleansers help you lose weight and keep it off. Do you remember, was it booty? But yes, I think I do. I remember booty. I've had quite a lot of people around me try booty. And it turns out they just put a laxative in it. It's, it's like Slim, slim Fast is a laxative. Oh, is it? Yeah. So you literally... Shit your pants. You shit your pants for a few weeks and go, yeah, I've lost seven pounds. And then when you don't have Slim Fast, it's all of a sudden you can't lose weight. So you're not shitting yourself. I I just put a post on about scale weight. And I think if if you're thinking about doing something that contains a laxative and you think that it's a benefit that you lose weight after you've had a massive shit, go read that post because that you need to understand the difference between fat loss and weight loss. There's a big difference between taking a shit, chopping your arm off and losing body fat. Very different things. But if your head is so built into the fact that scale weight is the be all and end all of progress, you're going to get drawn into stuff like cleansers, juice cleansers, booty that causes you to shit your pants and and lose that little bit more weight. Um, essentially, if you have a functioning liver and kidneys, you do not need to detox anything. How long has the human civilization got through evolution without needing a detox? Have we ever had problems apart from in the last 10 years when suddenly detoxes have become a thing where we need one? Ask yourself that fucking question. Like genuinely, have we ever needed a detox as a human race or does our body already do this? When we drink alcohol, can our body detoxify this with our liver yes so we don't need a fucking tea to do it for us <laughs> yeah i'm gonna uh, uh, <laughs> this is this is for the ladies okay but what always comes to mind when i think of detox is exactly that the body detoxes itself also ladies i'm gonna say the word vagina the vagina is actually pretty amazing it also self-cleans itself you know, so it's like the body is really amazing. If it doesn't like something, it gets rid of it. So it's very good at keeping itself running efficiently. You don't need anything that's going to detox you or make you shit yourself for days on end. Agreed. Agreed. Um into a podcast. Never thought that would happen. <laughs> um, next one. You need a diet for your body type. The fucking V shred wanker. V shred. V fucking dickheads. This <laughs> this is literally sticking about just because of V shred, I think. But they have such a brilliant marketing strategy that you will see it everywhere and people will do this. But the idea of a diet for your body type was invented in the 1940s, I think. And it was invented by a psychologist who termed it somatypes, that That's you right. can have three different body types. What are they? What are the three types again? Mesomorph. Ectomorph. Ectomorph. Oh, dear. Mesomorph, ectomorph, endomorph. And That's it. So these three body types over the years have become a thing where you need to train for a certain body type or eat for a certain body type. This myth... And bear in mind, this was invented by a, a psychologist, not a physiologist. 
So this myth was literally debunked straight away after he invented it. He had the idea that depending on your body type, you would have a certain personality. And we all know that's probably bullshit. So this was this was debunked a long time ago. But for anyone who still thinks that's the case, we've got a human race here with sort of, what, six, seven billion people. Are you naive enough to think we could look at seven billion people and split them into three body types? Really? Three? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you... uh, yeah, it's like, again, common sense. We're all individuals. No such thing as a body type. You know, it, it's going to come down to the basics, fundamentals. You don't need to eat for a certain body type because there is no body type. Mm. Your body's going to change naturally. And uh, so like that, that was one that was debunked a long time ago, but this is a V-shred thing. His yeah. YouTube ads will catch everybody, will catch a lot of people out. You need to eat for this certain body type. No, just need to overall be in a calorie deficit. Have you got any more? Um, You need to cut sugar to lose weight. Well... I think a lot of people think they're cutting sugar when they actually just stop having sugar in their tea and don't realize that if you're cutting sugar, like, are you going to cut fruit? Like, all car all carbs are sort of metabolized into glucose at the end of the day. Like, what, what are you expecting to do here? It's just a bad idea. It's just not sustainable for pretty much anyone, really, is it? Yeah. We talked about this in the last one of the last podcasts. If you start something and you look at where you are a week later and you go, I can't fucking do this for much longer, you're it's not sustainable. So you're you're never gonna stick at it. It's like saying I'm, I'm never gonna have any more sugar. I'm not gonna have sugar for eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, six months. It's not gonna happen. You're gonna give up. So you know, sugar is in a lot of foods. Again, moderate it. Just be mind mindful of it. You don't need to cut it. You know, it's like if you like a gin or a wine, we're not saying, "Hey, never drink again." You don't. You know, you don't need to be a monk. Just moderate it. Work it into your to your weekly calories, and you. That's a way more sustainable lifestyle, and it should feel like it's not a diet. So cutting out sugar is pretty much like cutting out coffee. You're gonna fucking hate your life. <laughs> I think any diet or any method which involves demonizing a certain food group is fundamentally wrong. Yeah. See and I think that, that's where you can put your flag and think, when I hear people demonizing certain food groups, I automatically look at them and think, empty head. You have got nothing in your head. That's just ridiculous. Because And you see this all the time. The people that genuinely know what they're talking about when they talk about nutrition, they never put the flag in any one camp. They never put the flag on, say, right, high carb is best, low carb is best, keto is best. People that know the shit about nutrition understand that many things can work, but the best approach is always going to be a balanced one that works for you as an individual. Yeah, there's no such thing as like one diet to rule them all. You mm. know, it's not the Hobbit. You know, there's not going to be one that is better than anything else. You know, it's going to be a calorie deficit that you find is sustainable, doable, that you can do over a, a you know, the period of time that's going to work for you and still have a life and that suits you and you just get to eat the foods that you love. There's no such thing as this diet is better. It shouldn't feel like a diet. 
number one? Um, no carbs for breakfast. I actually fell for this one not so long ago. Well, when I say not so long ago, it's when I first sort of got into fitness at like eight to 17, around that age. I actually thought avoid, I used to be the steak and eggs breakfast person that thought if I spike my insulin early in the morning, if I have carbs early in the morning, that means I'm going to start gaining body fat early in the morning. So I, I would avoid carbs throughout the day and do something called carb backloading. That was me um, trying to have all my carbs sort of later in the day. And I, to be fair, I still do that now, but not because of that reason. It's just because I prefer to eat my carbs later in the day around when I train and I train 9, 10 p.m. at night. It's just weird. Um, but anyway, carbs, no carbs for breakfast. It really doesn't matter when you eat your carbs during the day, whether you want carbs for breakfast, whether you want carbs for lunch, whether you want carbs in every single meal that you have, it makes fuck all difference for, for fat loss at all. I think the key thing here is to understand how carbs make you feel at different points in the day. For me, I prefer to not have carbs for breakfast because if I have carbs in my breakfast, I immediately want to take a nap straight after. So <laughs> that that for me is my reason as to why I don't do it. For some people, they'll have a bowl of, of a porridge in the morning and they'll feel great, ready to attack the day. For you, carbs for breakfast is probably a good idea. That's how I would sort of look at that one. But physiologically, it makes fuck all difference when you have your carbs. It's no impact because it's just your overall daily carbs. Like that's zero impact on when you eat them. It, it's again, it's just going to depend on, you know, how, how do, as you say, how do they make you feel? If you feel you have more energy after a good bowl of oats in the morning, fucking rock and roll, go for it. If you feel that you're sitting at work and you're having a snooze by one o'clock because you've had a bowl of oats, maybe go for a more protein breakfast. So yeah. again, just find what works for you. There, there's, there's no genuinely no right and wrong here. And I think no. people, people do a certain way of, of, of of handling their carbs or fats and they know it's working for them but they still question it because like like people come to me and say i've been having carbs for breakfast is this wrong and i'm like how do you feel great well okay <laughs> if you feel great it's probably fine then um don't question something that you know is working for you yeah yeah um the anabolic window, you need to have protein after your workouts within a 30-minute window. This um, this has stuck around a long, long time, hasn't it? It's a bodybuilding one. It's a bodybuilding one. And supplement companies have done their best to try carry this, this myth on, I think, because like we said earlier, protein shakes were meant to be that sort of thing that give you that quick release of protein straight after a workout. And for a long time, people thought, you must have protein straight after a workout. But when when we've sort of digged into the science of this over the years, it very much depends on if you're in a fasted state. Like if you are going into a workout straight after waking up and you're not having any food beforehand, that is when it it does become a little bit more important to try to have protein as soon as possible after. That is the only time I would say if you're fasted, if you're training first thing on the morning, Try get some protein in fairly quickly after you finish that workout. But if you're not training fasted, 
you've got to understand that it's not important when you get that protein after, because the chances are you're probably still releasing amino acids from the meal you had previous to when you were training. And when we've looked at how long we can release amino acids, which are sort of the building blocks of protein when we eat it, sometimes a normal meal, let's say chicken, rice, a little bit of fat in there, it can be releasing amino acids up to sort of five, six, seven hours after you've eaten that meal. So if you train at if you eat a meal at two o'clock and then train at six o'clock, it's not really that important to get protein in straight after because you probably still get an amino acids from that previous meal you've had in the afternoon. So I would say having protein straight after a workout is only important if you are training first thing in the morning fasted. Yeah, totally agree. It's going to help a little bit with recovery and muscle repair in that case. But otherwise, if you have food in your system, then it's not something that that anabolic window, it's, ne- it's never going to be something you need to worry about. No. Um, any more that we need to go over? Have you got any? Uh, I think the only the last one that kind of really comes to mind, and again, we kind of touched on this like in another podcast, is you need to eat 1,200 calories to lose weight. Well. <laughs> well, well, well. Your calorie amount is dictated by a couple of things. Well, how tall you are, how heavy you are, how active you are. So when we work out people's calories, we look at these things like how big you are of a person, your calories are your fuel. So if you're trying to fuel a Range Rover, you're going to require more fuel than someone who's driving a fucking Mini Cooper, right? So your calories work the same. We need to know how big you are as a person. We need to know how active you are. If somebody is if we've got two people that are nine stone, one who does 12,000 steps a day, the other who does 2,000 steps a day, the one who does 12,000 steps a day is going to require more calories. So you do not need 12,000 calories a day. We need to have the right amount of calories for you as an individual. And if you think that you're eating 12,000, uh, 1,200 calories a day and you're not losing weight, chances are, you're not eating 1200 calories a day <laughs> no no and it like it's some it kind of a little bit comes from the diet industry but my fitness pal because obviously as we talked about you put it in everybody chooses the most aggressive what aggressive rate of loss right my fitness pal comes back okay eat 1200 calories a day you know that's not sustainable for most people and it's probably too few calories for you to actually get through life and have an enjoyable life and not you know, not not sit there miserable, you know, eating about one banana and a rice cake all day. So work out, and obviously as coaches, we'll help you, you know, just work out your exact calorie needs for your fat loss, for your maintenance. You have that range there to work with. It's going to be way more enjoyable, way more sustainable than just going 1,200 calories. And as you say, most people that go, Dave, I'm not losing weight and I'm eating 1,200 calories. You're not eating 1,200 calories. You're probably eating 1800 and you're not a mountain. You're not accounting for all the other little bits that you're not, you're forgetting about. So don't just go like everything else we've discussed. Don't go with this broad sweep. That's what I should do. Find out exactly what is going to work for you as an individual. I do need a small caveat here because there will be, there will be a very small portion of women who are very small (laughs) And we'll need a small amount of calories to be in a deficit. Let's say you are 
eight stone dripping wet and you have a very sedentary job, you're probably yeah. not going to need a lot more than 1,200 calories to be in that deficit for you. But that is a very small portion of women that are very light and very inactive. And I would yeah. always argue that if you are in that category, the first thing that you should try to do is be more active. If you're a petite female, the last thing you want to do is be inactive and have to have a really small amount of calories to put yourself in a deficit. Try be as active as possible. And then you might, your deficit calories might go from 12, 1300 to 15, 1600 just by increasing your activity level and trying to be more active day to day. Yeah. Again, it comes down to, yeah, don't just, don't just go with, oh, this is what I should do because I've read it somewhere. Actually find out. I thought my fitness you... pal would have changed that by now because I think that's quite damaging where it, it basically gives you the option to decide, do I want to lose two pounds a week or do I want to lose half a pound a week? Obviously, everyone's going to want to lose two pounds a week. And then it gives you a lower calorie target that you're obviously not going to be able to maintain. And then you end up in a bit of a cycle of, I'll use my fitness pal for Monday to Friday, and then I'll stop using it. And that's why people think they eat 1200 calories because they might track really inaccurately. And then they might just track the calories Monday to Thursday afternoon and think I'm eating 1200 calories here. In reality, you're probably in more than 2000 on a weekend. And we know that calories do not reset every 24 hours. We're looking at a weekly average here. So you can't just ignore the days that you don't track and then tell yourself you're eating 1200 calories. You're not. You're not. And that is all of the world's myths busted. I think we've done a quite, quite a lot there. Um, That's a lot. If we need to do more. We'll obviously do a myths part two, but I'm thinking we've ticked off everything we need to there. Yeah, um, definitely the, the big major ones that most most people would kind of have heard at some point. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, thank you very much, Grace. As always, if you are listening to this thinking, you two know your shit. We do. So you're right. <laughs> you're First of all, you're right. We do. <laughs> but we don't pride ourselves on being the smartest people, but we've spent a lot of- trying to <laughs> we've spent a lot of time trying to understand nutrition health fat loss muscle gain and if you're thinking i want to coach with these two fucking superstars then all you need to do is drop me a message or jump onto my profile and fill out an application form at the top and we'll happily have a chat with you and see if we can help. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, Grace. It's been a pleasure. And if you are listening to this, make sure you give us five stars on Spotify because it really helps and share the podcast with someone you think might appreciate it. Thank you very much, everyone. See ya.